The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you who are listening with us today. We're glad you're out there, and um, thank you for tuning in, and thanks for letting us know how the Spirit of Recovery is touching your life. We love getting those emails, and uh, visit us on Facebook. We're on there on the Spirit of Recovery page. We are so glad that you're letting your friends know about the spirit of recovery and letting the people in your recovery and your unity communities know. Our listenership is growing, and um, it's lots of fun. So uh, we love broadcasting on the topic of recovery on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm, and we love hearing your comments. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We always have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. People who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And people who have spiritual insights because they themselves are living a spiritual life. We're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. We want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person who's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member, or you're the family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction, whether or not they or you are in a recovery program, or you're simply somebody who's curious and interested in the process of recovery and you want to learn more, we welcome you and we welcome your participation in our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister, and I'm a trained addictions counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. Thirty years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of Unity principles and recovery principles. And that's a walk that has taken me places that I never dreamed of and has allowed me to live a life that um, has uh, been a fulfillment of my greatest dreams. And I'm very grateful to both Unity and the Recovery Principles for the gift of my life and the quality of that that I'm uh, grateful to have today. So I am delighted to be able to share these ideas with you and to also hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery On every show, we do have a drawing, and we give away a recovery book, and those are donated to us by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation, and that's www.hazelden.org. And we want to say a big thank you to Hazelden for donating the books. Today's book is called The Addictive Personality. The author is Craig Nocken, and it's uh, Understanding the Addictive Process. So we'd be delighted to... Put your name in the drawing for that book, and all you need to do is either email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, or you can give us a call at 888-558-6489, and we'll be happy to put your name in the drawing for that book and get that book to you 
if your name is selected. Also, we include in the books a beautiful bookmark by uh, Licensed Unity teacher Barbara Bergen, who's a photographer and who puts uh, spiritual quotes on them. So we'll put that also in the book. Today, our topic is Triple Winners, and my guest is Jeffrey D. Jeffrey has a long time in recovery, both as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, as a member of Al-Anon Family Groups, and also a member of Unity. So he's a triple winner. He practices these programs diligently and has for a very long time. So he's going to share with us today um, a lot of different things that he does as a triple winner and how that's uh, had a positive impact on his life and why in the world he would want to work all those programs. And he's going to tell us about that today and how that works for him. So, Jeffrey, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Anna. Glad you're here. Really glad you're here. I am glad, too. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously your spirituality is really important to you, Jeffrey. Uh, Was it always that way? Well, no. Actually, uh, my my spirituality was uh, really never never planned and and certainly not a pretty path. but it uh, obviously it did begin with my uh, my own personal struggles, um, to say the least, uh, almost losing my life to um, alcohol and drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that got you on deciding that you needed to do something different then. Yeah, really, none of this happened with any of my permission, Anna. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, uh huh. I uh, it actually started uh, about let's see I've been I've been blessed with the gift of sobriety since March fourteenth of nineteen ninety two and uh, not only is um, am I grateful for that but that's an absolute miracle uh, and I say it's a miracle in the sense that uh, that this um, my experience with this disease is that so few people uh, are allowed to stay sober and get the gift of this. Uh, very very difficult disease and uh, it's something that I'm um, every day extremely extremely grateful and I never forget uh, well I guess I don't there are days that I do forget it Anna but (laughs) but I quickly remember uh, where I came from but um, really you know I don't I don't believe you know I, I had a I had a belief in God uh, just from a from my religious upbringing, but I really don't believe my life started until I almost died from alcohol and drug addiction and mm-hmm. went to treatment. Mm-hmm. So, how did um, spirituality play a part in that for you? Did you feel like the fact that you got help at all was spiritual, or I don't know? How do you see that? I know people see that different ways. You know, spirituality happened to me kind of without my permission um as i said earlier and again you know as i've known uh, as i still experience you know god's gifts to me have come in just awfully awful colored wrapping paper (laughs) uh and uh the uh you know it came as a result i think looking back as a as a function of me becoming sober going through the uh, what they refer to as incomprehensible demoralization that one experiences, or at least I did, uh, going through treatment and beginning to work the steps of the AA program. Uh, spirituality was kind of just uh, something that occurred as a result of doing those things, uh, because really all I had before that was uh, uh, my spirituality was God, please don't let me get caught and please get me out of this one. That was the extent of my uh, spirituality prior to becoming sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your first inkling? Like you said, it's almost like maybe, these weren't your words, but almost like spirituality snuck up on you as you as you did what you were asked to do in terms of your recovery. Do you have any uh, recollection of when it first dawned on you that, oh my goodness, somehow my relationship with my with my higher power or God has changed or I'm feeling differently about myself or, or how I'm related to the world or anything? Well, you know, I call them, I call them God pokes or little, at first I call them like coincidences. I was, 
I remember working, I remember in the early days, uh, back in 92, um, getting a sponsor and doing things that typically are not of my my uh, character growing up, which was taking instructions from from other people. But I was at the point where you know I had almost lost my life several times. I had lost everything. Everything on the outside looked pretty good, Anna. I mean, I was working as an investment banker in downtown Dallas. I looked great, had nice suits, my hair was combed well, and I, you know, I, I didn't live in a cardboard box. So it was really difficult to for for me to hear from others that hey you need help and you're not you're about to die uh, because I didn't look like I was about to die but um, I remember working for some reason as rebellious as I have always been long before I ever took the, my first drink um, for some reason when I walked into the doors of uh, AA after treatment I think that I was just I think I was just ready to be at least in that area of my life, I was ready to take instruction. And as I did, as I began to work the steps, uh, little coincidences, little tiny things would happen. I would, I don't, they were so, uh, they all, they were almost innocuous at the time, but they were so meaningful. Little, I would run into certain people at certain places and it was almost like, hey, that was, that was kind of cool that, you know, I, I just, went to a meeting this week and I met somebody and then I ran into him here and and uh, little things like that and it was almost as if God was uh, and I didn't know that at the time but it was all it, it gave me this feeling this comfort I guess it was so I guess spirituality came to me in a form of comfort at first of you know what everything is really really weird in your life and everything is really messed up uh, and very very different from the way that that Jeffrey had it planned, and you're not at your office anymore downtown. Um, you're just kind of hanging out there in the universe with all these strange people that have the same problem that you've got. Uh, but everything is going to be just fine. And I didn't know where – I couldn't quantify that feeling. I had no way to feel – I had no way to – I had every reason to be perfectly hysterical at the time, and but yet I felt like I was – I felt at ease. And it was a interesting. It was a very interesting time. In fact, I look back on those times now, after um, you know over nineteen years of, of my sobriety, and I look back very fondly. Sometimes, sometimes I'm envious of those times because it was uh, the transition was uh, so great. But it was uh, it was a in hindsight, it was a very very. Um, very interesting time and very exciting time in my life. Yeah, it's almost like a, a shift in reality that I'm I'm speculating that you, before your comfort or your sense of reality or your sense of self had come out of those things that you had in your life, you know, the as you, as you talked about, the externals. But then somehow it all shifted and you found that things were coming from inside instead of outside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, little things would happen to me. Again, things were happening to me without my permission. And, uh, you know, we all have that experience where, you know, we have those, those days that I think we can all relate to that where just nothing goes right and it seems like anything that can go wrong can go wrong. And and that was the pretty much my entire life outside of my work. My work is what quantified me as a person at the time. And I wasn't aware of this. This is things that I became aware of you know, uh, after you know, after my steps and my spiritual pursuits. But, uh, but, but they never made me feel good, Anna. And, mm-hmm. Or they would last for a short period of time, and then I would fall back into the same um, struggling through life. And, and really, you know, at this stage of my recovery, I look into, I look at, I really look at this disease for me personally as a disease of struggling through life. It's, um, uh, and, I, and I mean every area of your life. But uh, I remember that um, having this feeling that, okay, it, it might, I might be having a good day today, but the, the, the next disaster is just around the corner. And I think the shift came. And I can't tell you when, but it was some sometime in that first year of my recovery that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here in the future, but 
right around the corner, everything's going to be just fine, and everything's going to be really a lot better, but I can't tell you why. So it was kind of a, a shift from hopelessness to hopefulness, and uh, but I didn't have anything to quantify it. I just I just knew I was in a room full of people that I figured what I figured was that these hundreds of other people that uh, the group I went to is, is a very large that I still go to is a very large group. I, I, I figured out that they probably weren't you know being paid by my relatives and loved ones to be there. Uh, just to you know that they were you know that they were there for a reason and that they state that there were something good was going on. Mm-hmm. If that uh, if you can relate to that feeling, sure, sure, yeah. When you're uh, talking, I something came to mind for me that you said before recovery when you were really in the disease that and the active phase of that disease that you, you know, it felt like when's the next disaster coming. My question is, I'm just curious, were you reflective about that? Were you curious, like, gosh, why is this happening? Or was it more just sort of like bouncing through life and hoping hoping it didn't get too bad? The latter. I, th- I think the latter. No, I had no, really, no ability or... I didn't have the tools or anything to kind of reflect. I just struggled through life. I just assumed that life was that you know, I'd felt that way since I was a child, and you know, and then of course it, it just magnified as I became older, and then of course after I started drinking and drugging, and that disease progressed, um, I just thought that that was the way life was. Is that you, you struggle through life, and these things, these things happen to you, and um, and you just have to uh, learn how to deal with them, and and actually learning how to deal with the things that I got myself into because of my drug and drug drugs and addiction actually ended up be- becoming assets later in my sobriety. But um, but at the time, I just thought that was just life, and it was just you kind of struggle through life, and one day you, it was you know one day you died and the struggle stopped. Um, but I didn't really. No, I did not have. I didn't have the ability to reflect on it, Anna. I just, I just knew that it was just difficult, and I knew that no matter what, I tried so many things to make myself feel better outside of drugs and alcohol, whether it was prestige or achievements, uh, a better-looking girlfriend, <laughs> uh, whatever, you, whatever it was, and they would all work, and they would they would all work, but they would only work for a little while. Uh, and what what happened is you know, is that little while became smaller and smaller and smaller to where uh, you know what I was left with at the time when I got sober was just just my business accomplishments, and I would focus on that. And I thought, okay, well, if I am if I am uh, if I'm the top guy in my in my department, which I was at the time, um, year after year, then. Nobody can tell me that I'm doing something wrong because look, look at my numbers and look at my performance. So nobody can tell me that I'm living my life wrong. Sure, I may be. It's time for a break. We're, but hold okay. that thought. We're going to be right back. This is great. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll start with the Serenity Minute. And then Jeffrey and I will keep talking about triple winners. Um, when we get back, it's a great time to call us at 888-55-UNITY or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. And we'd love to hear from you if you've got a comment or a question for Jeffrey. We'll be right back. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. 
To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Wondering what's happening at Unity Village? Join Dean Ted Collins and guests each Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time as he hosts Village Events and Voices from Unity Village. Stay connected with Unity Village and get news on retreats, special events, newly published authors, and various ways you or your center can be part of the many exciting opportunities Unity Village has to offer. Tune in to catch live interviews of Unity speakers, authors, and newsmakers. It's Village Events and Voices with host Ted Collins, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You can join the discussion now by calling us toll-free at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Now, back to the program. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is triple winners. And my guest is Jeffrey D. And um, he's talking with us about what it's like to work three spiritual programs um, one for recovery from addiction, one from recovery as a family member, and the unity principle. So all of these programs are based in spiritual principle. But before Jeffrey and I continue our conversation, I'd like you to take a moment to join me to center ourselves in some peace of mind in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to take a moment to relax as we focus on this constructive idea. And here it is. I'm worthy of love. I let go. And let God heal me at depth. I am worthy of love. I let go. And let God heal me at depth. Thank you very much for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And so now we're back with my guest, Jeffrey D., and we're talking about triple winners. And this is a great time to give us a call or send us an email, and we'll put your name in the drawing for the book. The book today is The Addictive Personality by Craig Nakan. It's donated to us by Hazelden Foundation. We'd love to put your name in the drawing, and also we'd love it if you have a comment or a question for Jeffrey. He'd be happy to entertain those. Our phone number is 888-55-UNITY. And our email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, and we do get those during the program. So, Jeffrey, you were uh, talking with us right before the break about how um, near the end of, uh, of the time when your, your disease of addiction was active, before you got into treatment, that you, all that was left to you really was your, your work life and, and feeling because you were successful in that, that nobody could really tell you anything. Got any more to share about that? Yeah, well, uh, the it, it was just a very confusing time, you know, be, for me, and it was a confusing time for others around me because it, everything did seem to be very good on the outside. It was just kind of, uh, you know, and I, frankly, at the end of my addiction, you know, I was I was a uh, uh, investment banker by day, and I would go to have a few drinks with the guys, and I'd end up in a crack house at night, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I would. You know, this is where my disease took me, and that's you know, it's almost like looking back. Thank God I discovered uh, cocaine and, and crack because you know I could have I could still be drinking now if I had discovered those two those two drugs. But the bottom on those two things on those that type of drug, uh, it'll either kill you or it'll drive you to um, to recovery uh, pretty quick. 
so I'm also almost grateful that I did discover those those drugs looking back because I don't think I'd be sober today. But uh, the uh, but that was the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter was is that I was this really good person that wanted to do well and wanted to be happy. Uh, but I couldn't, my addiction got to the point where I couldn't even have a few drinks without ending up in, in places like that. And I would, I remember going into my office and, and after being on a bench all night and, uh, and I wouldn't, I mi- wouldn't miss work. That was the one, that was the one thing at that time. I, was, I would not miss work no matter what I did, but I could not even fathom the thought of the experiences that I had, um, as, you know, in my active addiction at the end. It was just horrific. I mean, it was things that you would see on CSI, Anna. Um, I saw those things. I saw the people laying face down in in places like that, and I sat against the wall in my suit. You know, and it's kind of odd. You talk about not fitting in. How you you know, addicts. We all talk about how we don't ever feel like we fit in. Well, try being in a Armani suit in a in a in a, a business suit and a tie and sitting in a crack house in South Dallas. You know, you really, you really don't feel like you fit in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was pretty scary, you know. It was a pretty scary time. And uh, the people around me about when this happened, I was married at the time. And uh, about the seventh or eighth time that I came in at 7 in the morning with my eyes bugged out of my head, they finally intervened upon me. Uh, and that's that's really where... That's where really where everything started, and I still at that time didn't think I had a problem. I just thought I was making a few bad choices, and I wasn't going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing the the power of the disease, the delusion of it, and it is how people can get just completely lost in it, completely out of touch with reality. Just just amazing. Yeah, and I honor that today because I know um, that there's still that little dark side of uh, little Jeffy, as I call him, uh, that would be right back in that spot again. Um, that finds that place kind of a uh, eerily comf- kind of exciting and comfortable, uh, even though it was so destructive. And I have a great, great, great respect for it. Uh, but uh, but I certainly enjoy my sober and spiritual life. Uh, to a much greater extent, I've, uh, I've experienced happiness within my sober and spiritual life uh, that I never experienced long before, even uh, long before I ever knew what drugs and alcohol were. Mm-hmm. What's the quality of of that happiness like for you now, and 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 how's it different than you know what you'd said before about you? You'd sort of have temporary things that would make you feel better, but they didn't last. So how do you, I guess this is, maybe this is kind of a goofy question, but how do you know you're happy? What does it feel like today? Uh, what it feels like today is not waking up anxious and scared and wondering, you know, oh my God, what's going to happen today? Um, waking up with a, the enthusiasm of, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of my life. I don't know where you know, my prosperity or, or how I'm going to take care of my my now children and family, um, that's a miracle all by itself. That's a whole other issue, a whole, whole other story. <laughs> um, but um, and just waking up in, in, in places and things and doing things and being involved in things that I had absolutely nothing to do with, Anna, that these things just started happening to me. They were just... It was just like my uh, we, my first sponsor. His name was Father John, and he he really wasn't a priest, but he looked like a little English friar, and he was an older man. And I figured I could tell this old guy anything because he he had nobody to gossip to, and nobody in the community would find out. So I was able to be very honest with him. But uh, he just said, "All you need to do is just do these steps, young man, and uh, you will have a life like you never dreamed." And I'm like, "Yeah, la 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 la." la. Read all that stuff. I see all those slogans and blah blah blah. But that's exactly what happened to me. It's exactly, you know, my life for me has has been nothing but has been nothing short of a fairy tale. Uh, you know, since I not without difficulties, not with a lot of ups and downs, but it's been nothing short of a fairy tale of everything that I ever hoped it to be when I was using drugs and alcohol since I got sober. 
you know, and, and honestly, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't stay sober this long and be active in recovery if it didn't work and if it wasn't fun and if it wasn't prosperous. I would not do it. I don't. You know, I don't do. I, I don't do things that aren't fun, Anna, <laughs> and I don't do things that are, are that are not prosperous. Uh, so I would not be doing this. And I wouldn't be on this conversation with you, and I wouldn't be involved in working with others if it didn't uh, have great, great consequences and great uh, and a great return on investment. It's the best return on investment of any product, anything I've seen, and I came mm-hmm. from that industry. Right. Right. I, you know, that's, that's really powerful. And I know, uh, you know, in your situation that your recovery uh, from the addiction also led you into a, a deeper, or a, I don't know if it's deeper, but at least also another f- uh, form of your spirituality. And that is you got involved in working on um, what it is to be a family member and, and dealing with those things through the 12-step program for family members. So how did you get involved with that and, and that part, part of your process? Well, actually, you know, you have to insert, um, you have to insert unity church between AA and Al-Anon in my, in my story because about year five into my recovery, I was, I've gotten to that point where, where a lot of people do where it's kind of like, okay, is this all there is to it? You know, I mean, I went through the exciting part and all the, you know the newness of it, and the, the not being chased by police anymore, and not being <laughs> not being afraid to wake up every day, and so on and so forth. But after about year five, year five, I was kind of like, okay, there seems like there's got to be something more to this. And my sponsor at that time mentioned that he he went to Unity Church uh, in Dallas, and I said. You know, and, and here's a guy that knew, knows, knows everything about me. I'd worked all my steps and told him all my deep, dark secrets, and I didn't even know he that he ever went to church, much less Unity Church. And I'm like, well, what is this Unity Church, and why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, you never asked me. And uh, he was just that kind of a sponsor. And I was like, okay, well, I'm asking. You know, you know, you don't seem like a church guy, so what's up with this Unity thing? And he said, well, why don't you just go and you can find out. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget the very first time I went to Unity Church. Um, the uh, minister at that time spoke about and, and used two or three different twelve-step uh, cliches that are unique to uh, AA and Al-Anon. And, uh, and I think I think they mentioned something about the program, or as they say, I think his quote was, "As they say in." the AA recovery program, a 12-step recovery. And I remember having this this almost goosebumps, like, I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. Oh, my God. This is, finally, I'm at a place where they get it. You know, maybe may, or, or, or where I've got a chance of they, they can get it here, that they know what the difference between spirituality and, you know, religion. And, uh, and I just had this feeling, and, and I uh, that was some 15 years ago almost and I've been attending Unity since then uh, and found a lot of people in recovery in the program and so it became like a second home and maybe what I call a little bit of graduate work and spirituality for me because I, I really needed something more than um, kind of the the harsh spirit, spirituality you find in AA which I think is necessary because if I'm not sober I'm not a very good church member either you know <laughs> Um, so I have to insert unity into that um, between AA and uh, and Al-Anon. And as I as I um, became an, a, a member, an eager member of Unity, and felt at home there, uh, I still, you know, I guess around year seven or eight, I thought, you know, I really have all these. I'm sober. I'm not unhappy with my life, but I had all these problems, these relationship problems, and I had all these issues, and I kept noticing people relapsing and dying and going back out and drinking and all the disappointments that I felt and and the fear I felt, like, am I going to be next? And I I really was afraid of that, and um, somebody made a suggestion to me that I might attend an Al-Anon meeting. Uh, which I clearly thought was not for me before I went, and I certainly thought it was not for me after my first couple meetings. 
<laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, I just, uh, you know, well, I'm an AA and they're Al-Anon and, and they, you know, my, my, uh, you know, I, my, uh, way of coping with life was to, to take a, to take a drink or medicate myself some, somehow. And I didn't understand how these people in Al-Anon could suffer so greatly but not want to medicate themselves. It just doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me. So I felt like, you know, this is kind of neat what they're doing here, but I just don't really fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I stuck with it. I came to the, as they say, come to six meetings before you make a decision, and I did that. And uh, before I knew it, I was like, you know what? We're not that much different is what I've, what I figured out. I said, we're really not that much different. And I think for me, and I hope I'm not over-answering your question, Anna, but uh, what I have discovered, and I've been in Al-Anon almost, October will be 10 years, and I primarily go to Al-Anon now, and I call that, I call that graduate work for, a, for AA members is Al-Anon. The people I see that get involved in Al-Anon and the people that I sponsor um, in AA, I sponsor people in both rooms actively, and that's such a gift for me. Uh, but the the people in A that I sponsor, uh, after they have a year of sobriety, I really encourage them to get involved in Al-Anon because it's the reason the reason I've seen the people go back out and drink and die, and my friend, my, the f- people I used to would know go out and die and drink and disappear and would would be they would drink and drug over the same the things that we learned to deal with in Al-Anon program. And how invaluable is that to me for my own sobriety? Mm-hmm. So you saw it as the relationship uh, problems that people had that would send them back out to using again, or tell me more what you mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Just whether it's relationships with friends, um, family, spouses. You know, I, I guess I always tended to think of relationship issues as just a girlfriend or a spouse or a spousal equivalent or what have you. Um, but I had I, I had a lot of issues. I didn't. You know, little Jeffy was still alive and well. In fact, uh, at year twelve of my sobriety, my Al-Anon sponsor made a you know a nice, a gentle, a gentle but firm suggestion to me that I might consider going to treatment to look at some other stuff. And I was like, I was aghast. I was beside myself. I'm like, well, I've got twelve years of sobriety. I. I what what the hell would I be doing back into a treatment center with twelve years sober? Are you crazy? And he says, you know, and he says, well, I just think you might want to consider that. So you know, like a good alcoholic, I went to my A sponsor to get a different answer, and he offered to drive me to the airport, <laughs> literally. Uh, so and I didn't stop there. I was going and I called my business partner uh here in dallas or in uh, in our fort worth office and i said hey because uh, he was neither he was in neither aa or al-anon and i said hey uh what do you think you know these these my two sponsors are telling me that i need to go back to treatment to look at some stuff after 12 years and he said i'll drive you to the airport so i, so I could not get my answer that i needed and i ended up in back in treatment for 30 days um at year twelve of my sobriety. Wow! We're going to wrap. We're going to wrap this portion up. It's time for our break. This is good stuff. And when we get back, um, Jeffrey, I want to really hear about what happened with you and in, in that treatment. That's powerful stuff. So, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening here on Spirit of Recovery. And I know that you're getting a lot out of what Jeffrey's telling us. We're going to take a short break. And um, again, we'd love to hear from you, love to get an email or a phone call, and stay with us. We're going to be right back. Attention, spirit seekers. Have you seen the new Unity magazine? It has a bold, fresh look and is filled with content to support you on every step of your spiritual journey. Each bi-monthly issue of Unity magazine is read by people like you, who are seeking answers to spiritual questions about relationships, meditation, divine potential, and more. Inside, you will find a wealth of news from the Unity Movement, inspirational articles, reviews on the latest spiritual books, and interviews with renowned spiritual teachers. 
To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to www.unitymagazine.org. Unity Magazine is also available in most Unity Church bookstores. Join us as we discover the leading edge of Unity thought, expand our consciousness, and experience a greater oneness with Spirit. What makes your spiritual path effective? What truly transforms your life? You can read all the books, hear all the speakers, and attend all the workshops. But what matters is putting spiritual principles to work in every decision you make. Join Rev. Ellen Debenport and co-host Laura Shepard on Absolute Living as they talk each week about how to practice principle day in and day out. Send them your questions to be answered on the air. The email is absoluteliving at unity.fm. Read Rev. Ellen's book called The Five Principles, available at unity.org. Then join Ellen and Laura each week right here on Unity FM to hear how to practice spiritual principles in your life on Absolute Living. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is triple winners. And my guest is Jeffrey D. And Jeffrey uh, works three programs, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon Family Groups, and I'm calling Unity a program. And he's a member of Unity Church and works those spiritual principles. And uh, Jeffrey is giving us some really good uh, information and telling us his story about how he works those three different areas and why that matters to him. So, Jeffrey, right before the break, you were telling us about how um, at, I think it was 11 or 12 years of sobriety, that you had people in your life suggesting that you go back to treatment. Um, And they actually drove you to the plane. You were trying to get out of it, but they... I think they must have thrown you in the car and driven you to the airport almost. <laughs> well, they didn't yeah. throw me, but uh, okay. but they they all eagerly offered to drive me, and I was like I said, I was highly insulted for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I always know Anna when I need to do something in the program is when I'm when little Jeffy starts throwing a temper tantrum. I need that's something I need to do, and uh, so my 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 sponsors in the past have always told me if I'm really feel strongly moved to do something, stop and call them first. You know, please don't do anything you feel moved to do. But if you don't feel like doing it, it's probably something you need to do. And and that certainly has been the truth for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I very reluctantly, uh, it, it, some I very reluctantly went to treatment. And uh, I remember, I remember the thing that 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 really drove that really caused me to make the decision to go was somebody here in the Dallas community that's very uh is my sponsor's wife um who's very active here in the Dallas sober community she she posed the question to me when I was you know looking for guidance on whether to go back or not and I said you know I don't have the money I mean I've got the money because you know, God has made me so made me very prosperous in my sobriety. But I've got the money, but that's so much money, and you know, and and I've got twelve years. So why would I just want to go blow all this money? And she says, you know, she goes, "We, what kind of car do you drive?" And I, and I drive a, a German car. And she says, "Well, a Mercedes." And she says, "Well, so you're not your happiness is not even worth a car, is what you're telling me." And you know. Um, I know that was kind of just a rhetorical thing that she, but but I really I, I remember feeling sad because I thought, no, inside my head, no, it's not. You know, I mean that's a lot of money. You know, for thirty forty thousand dollars for a month of, of intensive treatment, um, and then I felt very sad because I was thinking, you know, I really don't think it's worth that, and I, I go, I need to think that it's worth it. So at, at that point um, is when I said, okay. You know, all these wonderful things have happened to me, you know, beyond my wildest imagination up to this point. 
I don't think these people are playing a trick on me again. So I'll go ahead and do this, uh, which uh, allowed me to get on that airplane very reluctantly and drive into the treatment center in the middle of the night with the expect a miracle sign out in the middle of Arizona, uh, illuminated as I drove in. And I felt, I felt again, once again, I felt as if I had been using drugs and alcohol when I pulled into that treatment center mentally. So thank, thank God I had people around me that were able to be honest enough with me to, to allow me to, to take a, another vault in my life spiritually and, and, and to find a happiness that I probably wouldn't have found. And, and again, I attribute that to still being sober today. Mm-hmm. What, what happened there at treatment? What did they do? Because this wasn't primary treatment. I mean, you weren't coming off of um, drugs or alcohol. This was a, a different kind, I'm assuming. What, what kind of things did you do there? Well, I guess they, they dug into... They they dug into... Uh, well, I, they dug into a lot of the underlying issues that I didn't know. I mean, that I kind of had a, a suspicion from working the steps that I knew were there, but I still struggled in so many areas of my life with my 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 childish behavior, my childish reactions to things, and my personal relationships with people, and the, and the suffering that I would go through because even sober, uh, and and these problems that I would have, and. These are the reasons that I've seen that I saw other people getting drunk again and, and using drugs again is, you know, is over these things because at the end that's they even speak about it in the big book. You know, it's it's about relations, personal relations with other, defective personal relations with others. Uh, and I just saw that the other day when I was doing a step eight with a, with one of the guys that I sponsor. You know, this deals with alcoholism and addiction deals with primarily with effective personal relations in all areas of our lives and and it kind of resonated with me but um i called it a when i went to my second treatment i called it an emotional disembowelment uh and i could not believe it took me two weeks of of fighting everyone and everything just just like i did when i got sober uh 12 years earlier fighting everyone and everything all of their testing that they did and all the conclusions, post-traumatic stress disorder, sex addiction issues, um, all of these things from the past, all these things that were still haunting me and still bothering me even as a sober member, um, I was very, very offended and very reluctant to see it. But after about two weeks of kicking and screaming, I finally said, okay, you know, all right, I'll look at it. And uh, and I had to be reminded. I remember the, I remember one of the, the chief counselors out at the treatment center saying, uh, "Jeffrey, you know, need I remind you that nobody nobody asked you, no one forced you to come to sobri- I mean, to come to treatment uh, out here. You elected to come yourself." And I'd forgotten that. You know, I was fighting it as if people had pushed me into the door. And I remember just kind of going, hmm, yeah, you're right. And that's when I surrendered two weeks into my second treatment. But I had to deal with a lot of emotional and very a lot of painful things from my past, from my childhood, things that had happened to me from uh, sexual abuse uh, and physical abuse, uh, emotional, things that were not very pleasant. And there, it was clearly more difficult than the first time I'd gone to treatment. Clearly, mm-hmm. it was a very, very intense period of my life. Right, it is when it's really getting down into those. It's getting down into vulnerability, which is I. My experience is that many of us humans avoid that like the plague, because it is scary. It's it's kind of the only way to wholeness, but it's also it's like you're. Uh, I think of it as, as like maybe some of the stories in the Bible or the stories in any kind of a, a, a culture's mythology or the hero stories about the hero's got to walk into the darkness before before that hero can come out and, and really live as a whole person. Absolutely. Well, and it's, this is not my nature, and I'll tell you, tell you right now and anybody that's listening that my nature is to not do things like this. This is not – I do not look for – 
painful ways of <laughs> of spiritually growing. Um, the only I'm just a very lucky, fortunate person, and for some reason, in this particular area of my life, I have been willing. I guess just the willingness. I don't know. God just gave me the willingness to just do these weird, awkward things that I would not do normally. In and of myself, I would never, never, ever do these things. And I, you know, when I speak at AA groups and when I so when I talk to my sponsees and the people that I work with, you know, I tell them, I let them know, and I said, you know, you know, if God had come to me ahead of time and said, okay, Jeffrey. Here's what here's the here's the deal I got for you. All right, first you're gonna um, you're gonna suffer greatly emotionally. You're gonna feel lonely. You're gonna feel isolated most of your life. This is the package I'm gonna give you, and then you're gonna get hooked on drugs and alcohol, and you're almost gonna lose your life several times because of your alcohol and drug addiction. Uh, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna lose just about every single thing that's important to you. Um, and you're 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 going to be insane. You're going to lose your your mind, your sanity, and you're going to live like this for years. Uh, and then, but then once you get sober, you're going to have this beautiful life that you've never possibly dreamed of. Do we got a deal? <laughs> and, and of course, the answer would be no. Of course, absolutely not. I, it's not that bad, you know. I mean, it's bad, but it's not that bad. And, and the, you know, the, what, what you're describing to me does not sound like a very good deal. So, because I have I have a limited capacity, completely limited capacity to to understand how much joy God had planned for me and still does. So, you know, I don't really know anything except for what happened to me, and I, I really don't. I, I'm so blessed that I've, I've been asked to sponsor so many people. I've never asked to sponsor anybody, but I sponsor people at AA and Alan on both and continue to do this work with them, which helps me. Um, uh, but all I can share, all I have is just my own experience the only right thing that i've done if there is a right or wrong thing to do is i've just been willing to do what's been asked of me to do and been willing to consider no matter how angry it's made me that you know maybe i need to look at something uh and was was able to do that and i'm just you know i'm just so fortunate i'm i'm really i'm just another i'm just uh i'm just another drunk on the bus i don't have any training i don't have any um letters after my name you know i i don't have any uh, all i have is is uh i had a life that was you know was nothing but a, a struggle uh, for as long as i could remember and i never and i finally felt finally found joy through working the 12 steps of aa which led me into unity uh and um and unity just to me is like a without all the stories, you know, for me. Uh, and but takes spirituality to another level. Because I'm an addict, you know. Once I get a, I get something, and I need more of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of where unity fits in. So, right. What? So, how is it that you get more from unity? What's that? What do you get there? I get. I get. Spirituality minus the minus the harshness of the uh, alcoholism and addiction, and it just pure. It's it's more of a pure spiritual pursuit for me. And uh, even though there are a lot of people in recovery in unity, which I do find a lot of comfort in, but it's just it's void of that. So it's kind of like a special place for me to be to and to go and. Um, you know, I spent two weeks in Unity Village exploring that and the uh, the program there, uh, looking you know just just exploring different areas that I, I would have getting out of my comfort zone and doing something that I wouldn't normally do. Uh, and again, these aren't things that I wouldn't normally do. I just like just like just like I like the the effect that drugs and alcohol produced when I was using them. But it doesn't. Let me tell you, it feels good. It does. It felt good for a long time to use alcohol and drugs. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have used them. But uh, I like the I like the feeling that 
spirituality produces in my life. And I like the consequences that it produces in my life. And I like good things happening to me without my permission. Um, and I like the hopefulness. And it's not always, you know, I mean, I, I've gone through... I've gone through some, you know, hell in, in sobriety, uh, but never anything close to the hell that I, you know, lived perpetually before and, you know, during my addiction. Jeffrey, it's time for us to go, but you've done so much uh, good for us today. Thank you for your honesty and your clarity and, and your thoughtfulness, and thank you for your recovery. Thanks for pursuing it. And, uh, Thank you for letting God do things in your life without your permission. I like that phrase. Thanks for being with us. What a wonderful show you have, and I hope you continue. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless. And thank you to all of our uh, listeners. We're really glad that you're listening, and I know you've really been touched by what Jeffrey shared with us today. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll be having an encore program on unity and or yoga and the 12 steps. Visit us on Facebook on the Spirit of Recovery page. Um, send us an email at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm and share with your friends and your recovery community, your unity community, about the Spirit of Recovery. Thanks again for listening and for being part of this Spirit of Recovery community. Know that you're a blessing, that you're in my prayers, and let your heart sing with joy this week. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life. How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe-responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe-responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. The message I hear with ease. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Universe responding. Universe responding. How do you really transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life? 
How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe-responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe-responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. The message I hear with ease. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.